saved us um, by your blood, Lord, that you've won the victory for us and that, that we can know that we are saved, that we can know that we are on our way to you. And Lord, we thank you that even though we are not in heaven yet, right now, that you are here with us. And Lord, that, that's an amazing gift that you've given us um, in this world. Lord, we ask that you will please bless this service. Please bless the rest of the Sunday school classes as well, Lord. Help all of us to, to say exactly what you want us to say, Lord, and give us all ears to hear. Please open up our hearts this morning and... Um, Please teach us something, Lord, that, that you want us to take home and to implement in our lives from today onwards. Thank you for all that you do. Amen. Amen. All right. Sunday school kids are dismissed. Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, okay, sure. <coughs> what a blessing to have a generator, right? Uh, you, wow, that's, that's really a blessing, you know, to have some amplification. I've got my water at home today, so I'm really happy about this microphone. And um, so I'd just like to ask, you know, this, this is... No, I'm fine. Thanks, brother. <laughs> I don't drink from other people's bottles. Uh, that's, that's another thing. So, yeah, <laughs> it becomes mine. But... Um, uh, I just wanted to ask everybody, you know, when, when you pray, please uh, think about the school and the headmaster especially. He's been such a great help over the years, you know, helping us to get everything sorted. You know, many of you don't know, but this morning he just sent us a message. He already put the generator out there. He ran all the cords for us. He gave us instructions on what switches to switch. And then we still had trouble when we came here. And he came out, he helped me, and, and everything's just working. So... Let's thank God for him as well. All right, that's, that's when Pete Miller, you can pray for him. But let's turn our Bibles to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Now, it's been a few months since we last studied uh, this epistle, but I, I like to do a little review, you know, if, if there are so much, uh, or if so much time has passed between lessons. But last time we looked at chapter 4, um, and we started there in verse 1, and we went into verse 6 where Peter talks about how we as Christians should arm ourselves with the same mind or the same attitude as Christ. You know, Christ had this attitude where he looked forward towards the victory that was before him, and that is why he was able to go through all the suffering that he did and in the way that he did that. You know, he had that end goal in mind where he defeated death, um, he, defe he defeated um, sin, and he defeated hell itself which is absolutely amazing, and he won that victory for us. He did it so that he could redeem us, so that he could save us, you know, that, what we just sang about, and so that he could be glorified by finally sitting at the right hand of God, and he's there right now. And Peter then explained to believers how we, as believers, can also be victorious in our sufferings, and we looked at that um, previously but we can be victorious just like Jesus was. And so when we are going through unjust sufferings, that's, that's a great thing to arm ourselves with, a great attitude to know that even when we are going through unjust sufferings or like these people were going through these horrible persecutions, we can still glorify God through that. And we've already won the victory, and even through that suffering, we can win a victory again. And then... 
Peter admonishes his readers to spend the rest of the time that we still have in this flesh, that's in verse 2, according to the will of God. And we looked at that as well. He reminds them of some of the things that they did before they were saved. Now, I don't know if, if you've gone through this uh, yet. I'm, I'm sure you did. You know, everybody that's already saved, you know, every once in a while you will just think back and, wow, what a wretched man I was. What a wonderful difference has the Lord made in my life? Now, if you haven't reflected on that um, in a while, it, it, that's a good, good thing to do every once in a while. Just to think of where you were and how the Lord brought you out of that and how He has changed you, how much different you are now than what you were before you got saved. I would really encourage you to do that. You see, but a, a lot of the persecution and the unjust suffering that these people were going through actually stemmed from that, from that change that was brought in them uh, when they got saved. These Gentiles didn't understand why these Christians just won't go with them anymore to the temple and worship the idols or drink the wine or going through these banquetings and wild parties and all of these things. They just didn't get it. So they grew suspicious of them. And they said all sorts of nasty things about them, not just behind their back, but even in front of them. And for some of us, that might seem like a strange reaction. You know, that's, that's not what we see a lot here, but I know some of us here have actually experienced something like that after we got saved. Some of us have lost friends because of the change that the Lord brought in our lives. Some of us have lost family that don't want anything to do with us anymore. Uh, because we want to follow Christ. And these, these Gentiles like to laugh at us, or they like to accuse us of being, you know, having this holier-than-thou attitude, you know, if, if we just try to tell them about the Lord. It's interesting how that works, you know. They, they, they spread all sorts of false stories about us um, among our friends, or maybe, public, you know, more public than that. In the case of this initial audience that Peter was writing to, these people would suffer not just emotionally, but even physically, even to the point of death. The, these Gentiles would do all sorts of horrible things to them simply because they believed in Christ, simply because they were different than what they were. And if we look at verse 6, it, it would seem as though even some of these believers died because of it. And, and we know that from history, that it's true, that these Gentiles killed the Christians as well. Um, almost, I don't want to say it was almost a sport, you know, but, but it was allowable. You know, it, was, it was okay for, uh, to, to kill a Christian because he was less than human, basically. Um, but that is when Peter reminds his readers that those that have already died, that's in verse 6, he says, don't worry, they've heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, so even though they suffered in the flesh, all right, and they died in the flesh, they are now with God in the spirit. They're alive and well, they're okay, they're with God, they were saved. That's what it means to be saved, folks. That's part of it, at least, you know, and which is a wonderful promise that, that saved people are looking forward to, is actually being with God, you know, like being with Him, not just Him, uh, having Him here, we, we will be able to see Him. That's going to be amazing. We're going to be able to see His glory. So, yeah, so that's something great to look forward to. And this is a great reminder to all of us that are saved that 
whatever it is that we are going through, the worst that can happen to us while we are in this flesh is that we die. That's the worst. That's the worst. But that also becomes the best thing that can happen to us, isn't it? Because that's how we go to Christ. You know, we're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to be with Him. That's going to be amazing. (laughs) So for us, there's nothing left to fear anymore. Jesus defeated death, and He defeated it with a glorious victory, and we looked at that before. But He did that so that we don't have to fear death anymore. The sting of death was pulled out. There's no more sting there. You know, we read in Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but, but he says, I'm, I'm a little torn between two things. He says, you know, I want to keep on living in the flesh because that's going to be beneficial for you, you know, for the church. It'll be beneficial for you, but, oh, man, if I die, I can go to Christ. <laughs> so, oh, that's going to be far better, all right? So he says, I'm, I'm a little torn. Then in there in verse, verse 20, he says that, well, in whatever I do, I want to magnify Christ, whether it is by living or dying. Whatever it is I do, I want to magnify Christ. And then we get that famous verse in Philippians 1, verse 21, and this is actually a quote. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's going to be far better for me to die and you know, and be with Christ. But while I'm here in this flesh, I'm going to do it for Christ. And I'm going to pursue Him. What a wonderful goal. <laughs> what a wonderful goal. I hope that's your goal this morning. You see, for a, for a believer, death is just the end of this life in the flesh. It's the, it's the end of pain. It's the end of suffering. It's the end of hardships. It's the end of sin. You'll never have sin anymore. (laughs) And we get to be with Christ, which is far better than anything that you've ever experienced in your life. I don't know what experiences you've had in your life, but I can tell this for sure, that there will be nothing better than that. You know, I say that as a husband of a wonderful wife, and I've got three beautiful children, wonderful kids, and I love them so much, and all of them just bring so much joy into my life. But I know that when I go to be with Christ, that's going to be far better. It's going to be far better. It's hard to imagine. But I'm going to be with Him. I'm going to physically be with Him. I'm going to see Him face to face. I'm going to hear His voice with my own ears. That's going to be amazing. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. If the rapture doesn't happen in our lifetimes, death then simply becomes a vehicle that takes us to Christ. I think before I said death is like a door. That's exactly what it is. You go through that door and you're with Christ. That's it. There's nothing to fear about that door, is there? Okay? So there's nothing to fear anymore about death. And so Peter now wants to set our attention past Um, past all of this, past the end of our fleshly lives. And that's when we come to verse 7. That's our text for today. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. The end of all things is at hand. So all of this is not going to go on forever. All right? And, And I think most of you know that. Yeah, thank God, brother. Thank God. 
All of this is not going to go on forever. You know, it's all going to end at some point. Now, in the context of this text, this end that Peter is referring to is not the end of the persecution that these believers were going through. All right? it, is, it is also not the end of this government that was, was so intolerant against them. That's not what he's referring to. All right? He makes it clear that the end of all things is at hand. So specifically, he's referring to the day that the Lord is coming back. Because you know he's coming back, right? Jesus is returning. And that kicks off the end of all things. And that time, folks, Peter says here, the time is at hand. That time is approaching faster than you might expect. Much faster. Now, since Peter is talking about the end of all things uh, that is at hand, I thought that it is worthwhile to look at the biblical timeline and just point out some prominent endings that we have. All right, so I hope everybody can see this. I really tried to draw it big, even though my drawings are not that great. Next time I'll try to get an artist. No, I lie, I won't. Uh, anyway, but now, so this is creation. Okay, this is where time started. Okay, so I guess you can say that's sort of an end, but I'm not going to go there today. This is the ark, okay? Not the ark of the covenant. You don't see, you know, the cherub. These, this is Noah's ark. Noah's ark was an end. It was a, a massive end that happened there, all right? Um, now, I don't think we necessarily have enough appreciation of what happened that, in that time. I don't want to say that day, but in that time of the great flood, that was... <laughs> A devastating event, absolutely devastating. You see, these people were just going on with their lives as normal. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 and verse 38, you know, and he will know because he was there, but he said that they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They, was just, they were just going on with their lives as normal, day by day, just going on. But then we know from Genesis 6 verse 5 that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, continually. That's, that's, that's what God saw when he looked at mankind, just evil. That's, that's all they're thinking about. The whole day is just evil, evil, evil. And so God was grieved by it. You know, we read in Genesis 6 verse 6, uh, where it says, It repented the Lord that he ma had made man on the earth. Can you imagine that? You know, we read in Genesis chapter 1 where God makes everything and then finally he makes man. And after he made man, he said, wow, that's very good. That's very good. But then after a while, man just fell so far that God was grieved by, by the state that man was in. He actually regretted that he made us in that time. It grieved him so much that he decided to wipe the face of the earth and to start fresh with Noah, with his family, and some animals. That was devastating. You know, when Peter writes about this in 2 Peter chapter 2, he calls the world before the flood, okay, so up to here, he calls it the old world <laughs> because everything was wiped. Every, everything started off new. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. 
So if we use that language, we can say that the great flood was the end of the old world, and now we're in, well, I guess the new world. Um, there's going to be a newer world. All right? <laughs> it's like New World 2000. Anyway, <laughs> and nobody expected that this world would come to an end. Nobody saw it coming, um, which, which is quite interesting. You know, Peter says in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So putting that together with the 120 years that God still said that man has left on earth, you know, before the flood will come, okay, so God proclaimed that the flood is going to come, and he gave man 120 years from that day on forward. So if Noah was a preacher of righteousness, we know that Noah warned people about this flood that was about to come. We know that he told them, listen, get in this boat. But they wouldn't. They just wouldn't. Noah warned them about this massive judgment that is about to hit them in 120 years, 119, 118, up to, listen guys, it's going to be one year and the flood is going to hit. Get in the boat. They wouldn't get in the boat. Nobody listened. Probably because they thought he was insane, right? I mean, building a boat like this in the middle of nowhere, a boat that doesn't have a rudder, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just a floater, basically. That, that's what it is. You know, it's like one of those toys that you give your child to play with in the bath. It's just, there it is. <laughs> because that was, that was the purpose of this ark. It was just to stay afloat, just stay above water. That was it. They, they must have thought that he's crazy, you know, building a boat, talking about this massive flood. Oh, look, there's Noah talking about that massive flood again. Ah, crazy old man, you know. They must have thought he was crazy. But before they knew it, the rain started. The flood was sealed by that time. Ah, oh, sorry, the ark. All right, Noah and the animals and his family, they were all in the ark. The ark was sealed. By that time, they were banging on this ark and saying, let us in, let us in, because they saw the water rising. They, they realized that the day has come. The day of judgment has come. And everything was destroyed in that flood, everything except for those that were in that ark, Noah, his family, and a bunch of animals. They survived the flood. Now, after the flood, we have hundreds of years where God was dealing with his people, you know, the nation of Israel is what we specifically get in the Bible, mostly get in the Bible. And God gave them the old covenant and everything that went along with the Old Covenant, and he, he promised to be good to them and that they will have great lives if they would just obey this covenant, all right? Now, we know when we read the Bible, we can see that Israel had trouble with that. They, had, they really had trouble keeping this covenant with, with God very well. You know, sometimes it went better than others, uh, but there was trouble with that. But then, more or less, um, in, in the year 30 A.D., God started to reach out to the nation of Israel again, all right? That's after 400 years. If you go from the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, to let's, let's call it Matthew then, the first book of the New Testament, there's 400 years there that God just didn't speak to them anymore, all right? We call it the silent years or the intertestamental period, all right, between the testaments. Well, those are the silent years, 400 years where God just didn't speak to them he didn't proclaim any judgment over them. He didn't proclaim any blessings over them. Nothing. 
That was it. And now suddenly, God starts to reach out to them again. Now, just like in the days before the flood, of, before this great flood, people were just continuing with their lives as normal. I mean, what do you do? So you just, you know, get up, you go to work, you do your thing, and you come back, you care for your family, whatever it is that you do, but you just continue with that. And then we read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that Jesus began to preach. And he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus started to preach. And that was mostly what he was preaching about was the kingdom um, that is at hand. Now, that's not the only thing that he preached about, but mostly. All right? Now, most of the people didn't react to this. Well, or let me rather say only a few people believed in him. Okay? The, the vast minority. Most people didn't, even, even though he proved to them with these wonderful works that he did that he was who he claimed to be. He proved it without a shadow of a doubt, or beyond the shadow of a doubt, rather. You know, the chief priests, the Pharisees, and, and the other Jewish leaders were always listening to what Jesus preached, even though they did not want to believe in any of it. They were listening in intently because they were constantly challenging him on certain, certain issues within Judaism, and within their religion. Or they re were rebuking him for doing things such as helping people on the Sabbath. Oh, God forbid you do that. You know, multiple times they tried to lay their hands on him to have him killed. But they were unsuccessful. <laughs> multiple times. In the end, we know that they were successful in having him tortured to death on the cross. And we read in the Bible how Jesus was mocked and he, how he was ridiculed during that time. So while he was being tortured, innocently tortured to death, they were mocking him, spitting on him, laughing at him, slapping him, you know, all sorts of things. We read about all that. And he was innocent. But like we discussed in a previous lesson, he finally won the victory over them as well. <laughs> now, the Jews that were in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, I think you can guess that's the cross there, all right? <laughs> they were witnesses of the end of this old covenant uh, that they've been living under for so many years, and they, they saw the start of the new covenant that Jesus ushered in. You know, all the ceremonies all the rituals, all the sacrifices, the offerings, the, all the priestly duties, all of that were brought to an abrupt end when the veil in the temple was torn into when Jesus died, exposing the Holy of Holies and basically showing that, well, anybody can enter in now. Anybody can go in there. The new covenant has started. Now, I think it is fair to say that none of the Jews expected this transition to happen. They had no idea that this was going to happen, but it did, and it happened suddenly, just suddenly. Now, we refer to this time from the start of the new covenant, so from here on this side of the cross up to this era. I didn't have a lot, lot of room, so this is not a scale drawing. I think you can guess that, but anyway, <laughs> we refer to this time in between here as the church age. Because this is the time where God is, uh, well, Jesus is actually building up his church. We're living in that age right now, all right? 
That's why we're here today, <laughs> all right? Um, and he's been doing that for the past 2,000 years already, just building his church. But this will also come to an end at some point. There's going to be an end. And this is what Peter talks about when he says in, in verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. He's talking about the second coming of Christ, uh, which is the next great event that believers, I can say about, yeah, that believers is looking forward to, I guess. Um, I'm worrying about that. We might be looking forward to the one before that, but we'll get there. Now, there are some things that come before the second coming. So let me explain these arrows for those of you that, that aren't initiated yet. <laughs> All right. So we've got this arrow. This arrow represents the rapture. Okay. This arrow represents the second coming, when Jesus is actually going to set foot here on earth. During the rapture, he's not coming down to earth. He's going to be somewhere in the clouds. Okay? That's where we're going to meet him, and we're going to look at that now. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll just see how suddenly this church age is going to come to an end. Now, I should mention here that uh, when you hear the word rapture and you start to search on your Bible app, rapture, you won't get anything. Okay? You won't find that word in the Bible. This is a word that we use to describe this particular event that we're going to look at now. The word rapture just means to seize and to carry off. Okay, that's, that's exactly what it means. Trust me, I googled it. <laughs> the internet doesn't lie. I'm kidding. All right, but this is a fitting summary for what is going to happen to believers. All right, so you're, you've got 1 Corinthians 15. Let's get verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Look what Paul says. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Myst Why is it a mystery? Well, it's because nobody knew this was going to happen. Okay, this, this was not prophesied yet in the Old Testament by the Old Testament prophets. Okay, they didn't know about this. He says, I'm showing you a mystery, something that the Lord revealed to me. We shall not all sleep, okay? We shall not all die. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now look how fast this is going to happen. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. It's quicker than I can snap my fingers. Okay? The twinkling of an eye, you know, that's... You can't see my eyes, but you can see my glasses. So when that light is reflecting, but by the time that photon hits my glasses and hits your eye, that's how fast it's going to happen. Okay, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So this is really amazing, right? In that moment, in the, in, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to clothe every Christian with immortality. It's just going to happen just like that. Now, the mechanics of this is not explained to us, you know, the exact mechanics uh, of this, but we'll just have to wait and see. But what we do know is that this is going to happen so suddenly and it's going to end that church age. Those that are dead already will be raised with incorruptible bodies. Okay? And then those of us that are still alive here on earth, those believers, we will just be changed and we will meet them in the air. You know, that's what we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 15 to 17. We're not going to turn there today. I'll just tell you quickly what it says there. 
but you can please look at that a little bit later. But in there, Paul says that at the time of the rapture, the dead in Christ is going to rise first. So we saw it here, they're going to be changed. They're going to rise first, and they're going to meet the, the Lord in the air, in the clouds, where He's going to be waiting, I guess, for us. And then those that are alive and well, well, like we saw here, we're going to be changed, and we're also going up in the air, and we're going to meet those dead saints in the air, and we're going to see the Lord, and we're going to be with Him like that forever. Now, in First Thessalonians 4, Paul says, comfort yourselves with this truth. Because that is a comfort, isn't it? I mean, all of us have somebody that has died before us. I don't know if all of us have necessarily have believers in our families or that we've loved that have, has died before us. But if you have, you're going to see that person again. Those that were saved um, before they died, that's the only time you can be saved, but those that were saved, we're going to meet them in the air again. We're going to have a great reunion. It's going to be absolutely mind-blowing, I tell you. But the, in, or, or the, the event of the rapture is going to bring a very abrupt or a very sudden end to this church age because the church is gone. The church is left with the Lord. We're, we're done with this world. We're going with Him. But notice, uh, and, and as you read through your Bible, and especially through the New Testament, that the language that the writers use in the New Testament indicate to us that they expected this event to happen within their lifetimes, I guess. They, they said, it's always just, it's going to happen soon, the end is at hand, you know, language like that. They expected it to happen, but I don't know if you've noticed, it's been 2,000 years, <laughs> more than 2,000 years, so, if they believe that it could happen at any moment then, I guess we should be expecting it even more than they were, right? Because we are 2,000 years closer to that event happening. That's a long time. The end is at hand. Now, recently, um, Brother Mike taught this, this topic of church attendance, and we looked at these verses, so I'm not going to have you turn there, but... In there, in Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, the writer of Hebrews says the following, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So as you're seeing this day coming closer and closer, well, Provoke one, one another more and more. Get together more and more and more because this day is coming and it's accelerating. It's coming even closer and closer and closer. Provoke each other unto good works. We should, should keep on meeting together and even more as we see this day approaching. So think about this. If this was important 2,000 years ago, how much more important is it today being so much closer to that event happening. And you, you can see many examples of this in the Bible, but, but that's, that's something to think about, is how should this change what I'm doing right now in my life? The rapture is the end that is at hand for all Christians, all right? Because th that's the end of the, this world for us, right, in, from our perspective. We're going up, we're leaving all of this behind. We have new glorified bodies. We don't have any sin anymore, no sickness, no death, no suffering, none of that anymore. It's done. 
and we're going up to <laughs> this cloud is not the cloud where we're meeting the Lord actually this this is heaven all right but <laughs> that's where we're going we're going to be there in front of the judgment seat of Christ and where every Christian is going to be judged by the Lord every one of them every one of us yes even you <laughs> even me one by one, we're going to appear before the Lord. And He's going to judge us. We will have to give an account of everything that we did with the life that He gave us since we got saved. Everything. You don't have to give an account anymore for everything you did before you got saved. That's dealt with. That's under the blood. I'm saved by the blood that we just sang. All right? Saved by the blood. That's done. But you're going to have to give an account of everything you did after that. So keep that in mind as you're going through your day. Every day. We should keep that in mind. Every one of us are going to stand before Him and that fact then should actually drive us forward. It's, it's, it's not something that you, know, that you think of, oh man, I messed up. And then you just go sit in a corner and feeling sorry for yourself and that's it. That's, that's not the right reaction. The right reaction to this is saying, maybe I messed up. Okay, I slipped up for many years. But all right, I'm going to use this to drive me forward now. I'm going to look at that day in front of me and I'm going to go forward. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to bear fruit for Him in my life from this day onward. God help me. That's what you do. That's the right reaction to this. All right? While we are still here, we can, we can actually make a difference for the Lord um, in this world. Because, folks, the fact is this time is going to end. It is going to end. I don't know when. I have no idea. I might be mid-sentence today, and it might just go up. You know, we were thinking about that this morning. My, my wife uh, was blowing her hair, and I, 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 I told Karen, my daughter, I told her that, you know, mommy might even just be busy blowing her hair, and then we're up. You can be busy with anything, and it can just happen. In the twinkling of an eye, so fast. You're not, uh, I wonder if we're going to realize <laughs> what, what just happened. It's going to be, wow, it's going to be weird. It's, it's not like, you know, it, uh, it made me think of these movies. You know, you get some of these movies like Left Behind and those where they show the rapture happening, but then this person sort of turns into a ball of light and then they slowly go up. Now, I get it. It's part of the movie. All right, you somehow need to show that this person is going up. You can't just let him vanish. But that's actually what's going to happen. We're going to vanish. <laughs> it's just, poof, gone. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. All right. <laughs> this should excite you. This should really excite you because this is an exciting time. This time is going to end, folks, and it's going to end at that moment when you're not going to expect it. You know, just like all the other endings that we've already looked at, people didn't expect it. It just came over them. It just happened. They were warned, of course, you know, just like we are warned right now, but it's going to happen. They should have known. Uh, you know, the, the people in the old world should have known. Noah preached to them. Um, the old covenant ended without the Jews even noticing. They didn't expect it, you know, but they should have if they listened to the preaching of Jesus, and many of them heard Jesus preach. They should have known that it's going to happen. And just like that, the church age is ending and many Christians won't expect it. 
and they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to be empty-handed there in front of him with absolutely nothing to offer him. All the works that they've done since they got saved are going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to blow away in the wind and there's going to be nothing left. That's going to, that, that'll be a sad day if that happens to any of us. That'll really be sad. Um, so let's use that to energize us to pursue a holy life and to serve the Lord, to bear fruit for Him. It's not too late for you. You're still breathing. I don't care how old you are today. I don't care how long you've been saved today. It's not too late. You can start today. You can repent. You can say, Lord Jesus, I've, I've wasted so much time, but from today on, I want to serve you with all my might. And then you do it. Don't just say it. Do it. Now, of course, we know that there's going to be a time of great trouble this time between these two arrows. So between the time that the church left and the Lord actually comes back, we call that time the tribulation, seven years of tribulation. It's a time of, of great trouble. And the Bible has a lot to say about this time. But as part of it, there will be opportunities for people to repent. Not in the same way that we could repent. All right? They can't be part of the church anymore. Um, I guess the Holy Spirit is left by them and um, with us, you know. But there will be opportunities for them to repent. I, uh, you know, two examples that come to mind are the two witnesses that are going to preach. We, we know about the 144,000 Jews that are going to preach. So, and we know about that angel that's at the very last moment before the Lord comes back. He's going to preach. Um, there will be some opportunity for that. I have no idea exactly how that's going to work. But they will be able to, but most people probably won't. <laughs> uh, I think there will be a few, though, but most won't. And, and that time will then end, that time of trouble will end when the Lord finally comes back to earth, like I said. That's His second coming. But folks, like I just said, this is, this is an exciting thing to look forward to, the rapture, isn't it? That's a wonderful thing to look forward to. This day is the exact opposite. That's not exciting at all. Um, you know, this is actually a verse that we've gone through for those of you that have gone through discipleship, but um, I want to remind you of this. Zephaniah 1 verse 15. Just hear what the Lord says about this day. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. This is going to be a terrible, terrible day because it is the day in which the Lord's wrath is going to be poured out on all the ungodly people. We read there in Revelation chapter 19 that all the armies in the world are going to gather together you know, to make war against the Lord. But to make a long story short, the Lord is going to smash them to pieces. And after that, we're going to have a thousand years of peace. Absolute bliss. Because that's when Jesus is going to rule as King of kings and Lord of lords here on the earth. And folks, that's also something to look forward to, isn't it? 
That's something to look forward to. But you know, when we think about this second coming, when we think about this battle of Armageddon and everything that's going to happen there, all the people that are going to die, all the blood that's going to be spilt, do not think that God is unjust in doing that. He's absolutely right in doing that. We have been experiencing so much grace and mercy up to this day and up to that day of the rapture from the Lord. To be able to be saved freely, to have it as a, receive it as a gift. God is standing with outstretched arms and saying, take this gift for free. You don't have to pay anybody for this. You don't have to go to a specific church to get this or other, another organization or anything like that. Take it for free. But on that day, all of that is long gone. Long gone. And you will be destroyed with the rest if you survive that long. At the end of that, um, of this thousand years of peace, there's going to be one last battle at this line, right there. Well, I guess right before that line. But this is not a scale drawing. <laughs> But there's going to be one last battle after which heaven and earth, as you know it now, is going to pass away. It's going to be gone. And all the lost people are going to be judged at that great white throne judgment that we hear about. Another terrible day in the life of a lost person. The great white throne judgment. And they will be judged there because of their unrighteousness. Like I said, it's not like God is unjust. He's a righteous judge. And He's merciful. That's why He's making salvation freely available right now. But when you're standing there in front of Him, that's done. That's, that's going to be cold and hard. It's justice being served, being dished out. And they will hear these horrible words from the Lord. That's Matthew 25 verse 41 says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He's going to cast those people out, get this, into everlasting fire. But like I said, this judgment will be absolutely right and good, coming from the Lord. He's the only one that can actually hand out punishment like that, rightly, all right? obviously because of his power, but rightly he can hand out that punishment. Because our sin is primarily against Him. We've sinned against Him. But the fact that we know that this is going to happen to people, brothers, sisters, listen up, this should move us forward to evangelize sinners. That's why we know this is going to happen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because we know how the Lord is, because we know of the kind of punishment that He's going to give people, we should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be telling people about this free gift that is awaiting them if they will only believe in Christ. That should move us. That's the only way that you can be saved right now, is through Christ. 
That's the only gospel that you are going to proclaim if you are saved today because after that, that's all done, you know, after the rapture, that's done. That, that offer of that free gift is done. You see, we've, we've let so many other things influence us into thinking that it's still going to be a long time until the Lord arrives. It's, it's not going to happen today. You know, the rapture isn't going to happen today. Um, that, that, that's, that's our thinking, isn't it? We don't, we're not living in a, in a real expectation of this event happening now or now or now, you know? We, we don't live in that kind of expectation. But it can happen. We should not become complacent and lazy. But that, that's what happens when you think it's a long time off. Let me prove this, okay? We've got some students here or ex-students all right. If you know the exam is in two months' time, are you busy studying? No. <laughs> of course not. Okay, I know some of you, you, some of you do. But most of us, uh, no, still two months. Okay, how about a month from now? Are you, are you starting to study? Maybe you're starting to think, maybe I should, but nah, I'm not going to study. Okay, two weeks from now, what are you going to do? Uh, Okay, it's starting to get tight, but uh, I'm still good. You know, it's still two weeks. I mean, two weeks is like, what's it, 24 times 7 times 2. That's, that's how many hours there are left. Now I'm fine. Okay, and then the day comes. It's tomorrow. <laughs> what do you do then? Well, you stress and you start to study. <laughs> you study a lot. All right? We have no idea when this day is coming. You don't have that luxury. You, you can't become complacent and lazy. You can't put, put this work off. You can't put holiness off. You can't put sharing the gospel off. We, we can't do that, folks. We don't have that. And maybe this is why the Lord didn't tell us when it's going to happen. I think that, that might be the reason, because He knows us. <laughs> he knows us better than we do. I know I'm that way. Oh, man, I struggle so much with starting ahead of time. But that's what happens. This day is closer than, than you think. Peter says the end of all things is at hand. I'm asking you today, are you ready for that now? Are you ready for that now? If you're not, it's time to take it seriously. It really is. You know? um, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll end off with this. 1 <clears throat> Peter 4 and verse 7. Let's just get the rest of this verse. First Peter 4 verse 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. It's time to take this seriously. Be sober-minded. Take this seriously. Because the Lord is coming back. Every time he said he's going to do something, he did it. Why would I think that he's not going to do this as well? You know, the Bible tells us in a few places that it's going to happen like, like a thief in the night. It's, it's, it's just, you're not going to expect it. It's just going to happen. You need to be ready for that. Don't be caught up like the people in the days of Noah. Don't be like that. All right? We know to expect him anytime soon. We have enough proof of that in the Bible. We know that it's going to happen anytime soon. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. Maybe you haven't done that. 
until today? Well, start doing that now. Let that motivate you and move you into action. Because just like you, I'm going to stand in front of the Lord in judgment. And I need to use that as fuel in my tank to push me forward. And you can too. Peter ends, like I said, by saying, be sober and watch unto prayer. So take this seriously and keep on praying and asking, asking the Lord to guide you. The whole time, watch unto prayer, he says. All right? So keep on watching. Look around you, right? See what's going on. Pray about these things. Ask the Lord, what should I do? Lord, give me an open door to speak to this person or to do this for you or whatever it may be. Keep on praying. Just keep on praying and ask the Lord to guide you and, and be sensitive to what he tells you. And do that until he comes to fetch us. It may happen with your death. Maybe that's the way he comes to fetch you. Or it might happen with the rapture. Either way, you're going out. Because we know, we know that the time is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Let's not be caught off guard. Let's pray. Father, please help us to think about these things. Please help us to remind ourselves, remind us to remind ourselves to think about these things and to take it seriously and to focus on it. Not to be panicked, Lord, but to, to move us forward. Lord, we want to serve you and we want to glorify you in this world. We want to lead people to you. And we know that that is what you want as well. So Lord, help us all in our individual um, circumstances to do that. Um, help us not to become lazy or complacent, but to keep on expecting this day. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word and that we know that your word is trustworthy. And, and therefore, we can take these things and go with it and trust you. We thank you so much, Lord. Thank you that you did not leave us alone. And Lord, what, what, whatever it is that you're doing in, in our hearts, in somebody's heart today, Lord, will you please uh, keep that work going and um, just help us to, to glorify your name in, in this life. We thank you so much for the wonderful grace that you've given us. We thank you for saving us, and we thank you for being with us today. Amen. Amen.